Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 71 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I have the pleasure and honor of picking the brain of a man that not only has a massive bank balance, but a massive heart to match it. Starting at humble beginnings, working at a local gym at the age of 13, Eric Kasaburi is today the owner of Retro Fitness, which currently has over 150 clubs serving over 500,000 members across 17 states and does over $150 million in annual revenue. He's also the founder and CEO of Fierce Brands and the author of Just Make Money, the entrepreneur's handbook to building the life of your dreams. He's been featured in CNBC, MSNBC, Fox Business, Bloomberg TV, and the CBS series Undercover Boss, as well as all the major publications. And when he's not growing his empire, he spends his time with his wife and four children, or obsessing over the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm truly excited to introduce you to you a leader of the fitness industry, the dreamer behind the dream, the king behind the kingdom, the master behind the masterpiece, because behind every great entrepreneur is an even greater success story. Eric, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Thanks for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to tell my story. The pleasure is completely all mine. Um, <laughs> Eric, I mean, first of all, before we get to know you know, how you built such a hugely successful company, can you tell us a little bit about your background? What was it like growing up? So I come from uh, what we call humble beginnings, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the kid that uh, growing up, I wore my brother's hand-me-downs. I, I mean, mm-hmm. my sneakers, you know, my mother would use that white shoe polish on my brother's <laughs> sneakers. I finally grew into them. That's what I wore. Uh, my father was a, you know, was a, he was a blue collar worker. He was a police officer. He mm-hmm. worked uh, in, in New York on the NYPD. Um, you know, my mom was a homemaker and uh, we didn't have a whole lot. So growing up, it was uh, iron on patches on the knees of my jeans and, and, and uh, uh, you know, not having a whole lot of the greatest things that uh, most people, you know, talk about you mm-hmm. know, today and when they look at the success that I've had. Uh, but it, 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 it shaped me to who the person that I am. I mean, I had a great work ethic, you know, always i mean growing up we was uh it's uh we had certain value systems in our house you know we, it, it wasn't uh it wasn't anything wasn't just take 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 it was you had to give 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 and then you got to take that kind of attitude for our family was really important and you know that came from you know how we did things you know my mother and my father you know made sure my brother and i were always part of the work you know and right. everything and when so when i finally got into an age where i was able to work which is how my 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 uh, gym career started no, it was because I wanted to work out in the gym. I wanted something, right? So I right. had to give something to get something. 
So my mother said, well, you know, if you want to go work out in the gym, that's great, but it costs money. So why don't you just go work in that gym and then you'll get the membership for free. Wow. So that's my budding gym career started at the uh, young age of uh, 13. So you pretty much wanted to, to get involved in, in health and fitness from, from the age of 13 years old. Yeah, I was always at the fitness. I was because I was an athlete. You know, I was always at the sports and playing, and I, w- I was always intrigued by. Um, well, let me back up a little bit. I mean, I was a, I was always a big kid, right? So I mean, my I was just genetically, I had a little bit of a gift that I was fortunate, and I and I I liked running real fast, and I liked mm-hmm. being able to lift heavy things and 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 play sports at a high level. And I I realized at a very young age that if I worked out with weights and you know looking through the old you know. Flex magazines back then, the fitness magazines that, that that were all you know musclehead magazines. Every time I would I would pass through a uh, a store or a health place that 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 offered that stuff, I would find myself fascinated by it. So I was always interested in, in that stuff, and I wound up uh, really taking a liking to it. So I wound up really forming my my whole my whole focus became just on you know making my body stronger and bigger. Did your did your dad take you to like you know football games and and stuff like that, or was that mainly your mother? Ironically, no, they did. I, in fact, my mother was petrified that I wanted to play football. In, in fact, we had a, a cousin in our family who was the coach of the Pop Warner team. And he, every family party, I mean, every single one, he would beg my mother, be, like really beg her. <laughs> it was embarrassing to let me come out for the team. And, I, and she wouldn't let me do it. She was like mortified by the sport. Wow. And finally, my freshman year of high school, she said, okay, she's like, I'll let you play. And like, she couldn't even go to the games. Like, she would like, wouldn't even watch. She, oh, she would, wow. It was hysterical. Um, so no, it wasn't like it was something that that was pushed on at all. I just I just I just love baseball and basketball and track. They were totally fine with that. But the, the amount of contact football I had my mom, um, she was having none of that for me. She she really couldn't deal with it at any level. Wow. So she was really protective, I guess, over you. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was it, 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 the stuff she would say to me would, would today I still think about and laugh about. But you know, finally when I played and I, you know, and I was, and she realized I was really good um, at the sport. She she let loose a little bit on it, but mm-hmm. uh, until her passing, she really didn't spend much time at my games. I mean, she would go just to socialize, like with the other moms that were there. But she she I, she couldn't tell you a thing that happened in the game. Right. She, she didn't want to. Me. She didn't want to. She she passed away when you were what sixteen years old. Sixteen. Yeah. Well, that that must have been a really rough time in your life. I mean, I can't even. I don't want to imagine because you know, just it's a it's a scary thing to have. Uh, I mean, I have four children myself, and um, just the thought of it, it's it's. Did do you think that 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 shaped you and that kind of gave you the? Because you've you've got an incredible incredible drive. Like, you know, anybody that knows you, anybody that's seen you, um, you give off this like infectious passionate drive like you don't want to stop um do you think it comes from that absolutely and and thank you for the compliment it, it does it, it, when i you know watching that process at the time um although uh, i'll be very painful when i reflect back on what it what it did at such a deep level i mean it, it made some serious neurological anchors for me uh, watching how you know, I remember when uh, at such a young age, when she, mom was first diagnosed with her cancer, they only gave her a certain time. Uh, and I think it was three years, they said, would be the maximum that most people survive this type of cancer. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, she lived for six. And the only reason she lived for six is because she had such a drive and a passion and a will to live. And that was because she had something else to live for. And they always say that if you have something else that's in your goals and your sights, that's that's exclusive of you, that has to do with something inclusive of others, um, it'll give you more passion and drive than you could imagine. And and that was, you know, her boys. It was my father, my brother, and myself. So that passion and that drive is truly what 
I believe, uh, was the reason that she had literally doubled the stats. I mean, anyone in any, in any given environment, whether it's financial or health, if I can double the statistics on a positive side, I'll take that any day of the week. And, and she, in fact, did that. Wow. And it was that motivation, that drive, that if that was infectious, you know, watching that and watching how um, to, to move along uh, through life um, with such fortitude without, you know, without even, you know, you'd never would have known the majority of that time that she was even ill. She had anything. I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, and that was because she put the show on for us. And I always tell people, you got to put the show on in business. Um, sometimes when you're in, in, in social environments, you know, you don't want to go somewhere. You don't want to do something. I tell my kids this all the time. You got to put the show on. You just got to <laughs> do it. You got to you got to you, you bear it. You get through it and, and you're better for it. And at the end of it, sometimes you reflect and say, oh, you know, I'm kind of glad I did do that, actually. Hmm. And I learned a lot of that from my mother. Wow. You know, I got entrepreneurial spirit from my father and I got my drive and my passion from from mom. And it, and it made quite the cocktail when I engaged on both and in my business career. Yeah. And, and you started your business career when you first opened your first gym. You were 23. Was that is that right? You were 23 when you opened up the first yeah, gym? Actually, 20, yeah, 23, 22, turning 23. That's incredible. Did you ever dream that it would become this successful or were you like oh i'm just going to start a gym and you know make a good living i've often said in the past that you can never dream as big as a dream can actually be so <laughs> when you imagine it uh, i just love fitness so much i'm like listen i'm a college dropout i i i left school after um i think it was, it was my third year i was in college and, and, and it just wasn't it wasn't working for me and, it, and that's that's fine i mean i know lots of i mean there's, i mean we all both you and i probably uh, yeah, spoke to a friend. There's lots of success stories that have not completed college. Although, you know, I'm not saying that institutional learning is great for some people. It's just not great for a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people. Um, and uh, but I had a passion for fitness. I had a passion for selling. I had a passion for uh, for uh, people. I love being around people. And I and when I combined all that, it wound up working really well in the service industry, which fitness is a service industry. Mm. Um, I really care about all, you know, it's funny, I, nowadays, I, you know, I look at them, we have so many members, half a million members. It's crazy. You know, I, yeah. I, I love signing people up at the gym. I actually enjoy the process of engaging someone and getting them to start for the first time. I mean, it's always nice when someone joins a gym and they, they, they're, they're an avid exerciser, but when someone's just getting started and you turn mm. the light bulb on for them and they see for the first time what the possibilities are for themselves, that excites me. I mean, it's also why that excites me about being a franchisor, right? Because I get excited when I turn the light bulb on for the first time with these new entrepreneurs and small business owners. Because right. that's a different light bulb that goes on. So for me, it's that I love to see people reach their highest potential, whatever it is, whether it's health and fitness or whether it's it's in business and, and their bank account. I, I just it just does something for me that 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 really gets me up every morning and keeps me grinding. How long did it take you? Because just for the sake of our listeners, a lot of people here are just starting out in business, right? So they're kind of where you were when you were 23 years old. They've got their first gym, let's call it, right? Whatever their business is. The question is, how do you go from having one gym to then having two? Because essentially then you're doubling what you're doing, right? How long did it take you to open up the second gym and how did you do it? So you talk about, it, 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 we talk about scale in business, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's a, how do you scale what you're doing? And yeah. I learned very early in my business career, I, I went to a lot of seminars, Daniel. I did a lot of reading. I mean, a tremendous amount of reading. I did more reading post-college than I did than when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And it's, I tell everyone, I got a lot of my real education on the job. You know, the school of hard knocks, as we call it in business, <laughs> yeah. right? I, I have to tell you, 
my first gym, you know, was just about getting that first gym open. That's all I could focus on. In fact, I remember the conversation at the time, the landlord, where I leased my first location. He said that we could uh, uh, buy the building, and I think the whole strip center. I mean, it was a big strip center. I think it was like fifty or sixty thousand square feet, and we could have bought the entire strip center. Wow! I think it was for one point eight million or one point nine million. Mm-hmm. But that was like. That may have, well that have been Mount Everest and the, and the 1.9 million may have been on the top of it. I just that was such a huge. I was like I can't even imagine it. There's no way. Got to get the yep. gym open. The hindsight, I look back and I think to myself, oh gosh, if I would have <laughs> bought that back then and I would have kept that pace doing that. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. It would have been a whole different story, a lot faster. But you know, you're, you you sometimes we are inhibited by our own threshold our it's our personal threshold we are inhibited by we we create that bandwidth that box that we live in and sometimes you have to really either someone else or yourself hopefully um, can pull you out of the box so i did a lot of seminars i you know robert kiyosaki um i I remember when i first got started tony robbins was a big influence i still go to tony i just went to his business mastery uh down here in palm beach Mm -hmm. uh in january uh, I, I still uh, zig ziglar big fan of used to go to his seminars i mean i've done i've i've followed some of the best and i still read their books and, and listen to their their audio and now podcasts um just because i i i listen i sharpen the saw right i, I continue to make myself better mm-hmm. but getting back to your original question how does it how do you do it i think when you first start your plan is to just get through the next day as, as, a, as a small business owner i mean they don't it's hard to think you know a year ahead five years ahead or let alone 10 or 20 years ahead in business because you're so often stuck with the impact of what's happening today and the fire you have to put out right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm really big on teaching about, in fact, I just did a segment on this on MSNBC this past weekend. You know, they, uh, we did a, a, a tip session and I was giving some business, small business tips. And the tip that I gave was the check up from the neck up. And I talk about it in my book as well. It's about goal setting. It's about prioritizing the things because if you set your goals and you write them down, it, it's hard to forget that if you keep going back and reviewing them, because what happens with goals, essentially with a lot of people, is life gets in the way of your goals, mm-hmm. and you start to live the old life you were living on the path you were living it, and it's difficult to take yourself into a direction if you don't clearly determine and set down what exactly you want for yourself and or your business, and then take that path, and then write points along the way of how you're going to adjust and adapt as the path changes, but how you're going to stay toward the goal or in the general direction of the goal. And most people, they, they sit down and say, well, my goal might just be, hey, I want to open up one gym. That's great. But then you get that one gym open, and if you get a true entrepreneurial spirit and you feel that you, your bandwidth is worth more, you start to look further. So I opened up a second gym. Mm-hmm. But here's where the trouble falls in. You only have X amount of hours in a week, and reasonably you have to sleep a certain amount of those hours. Right. And then if you think you're going to work 80 hours a week in each of your businesses, and then you've opened up a second store and you're going to work 160 hours and you only got 163 to work with the four to work, you're kind of screwed, right? Right. So, we um, we always talk about that internally in our own company as well. So it's about for me, it became about delegation and my bandwidth. And then when I realized I was able to systemize my business, and I I came off the heels of reading The E Myth by Michael Gerber, yes, a Michael. great book. Love that oh my book. Gosh. Oh my god, great book. And I remember, I'll never forget. I pulled over on Route Nine in Manalapan because I actually called Michael Gerber. I I, I, really? I, I sourced. Yeah, it's, he's one of those authors that actually would get on the phone with you. I don't know if we still will, but but when <laughs> okay. I called over a decade ago, he actually picked the. I actually got him on the phone. I called the offices and they literally put him on the phone. And I've tried to call other authors just because I'm a, I'm a lunatic like that, just to see if I can get him on the phone. <laughs> right. And Michael was the guy that got me on the phone, and he asked me a very interesting question, which is which changed my life. 
And it was about right before I started Retro Fitness and I was going into my third gym at the time and I was thinking about franchising my business. And he had said to me, I'm going to ask you one question. He goes, and don't answer the question now. Mm-hmm. He said, if you go on a plane with me tomorrow, no phones, communication, no laptops, no computer systems, nothing. We're just going to go to an island somewhere. He's like, and I'm not going to tell you how long we're going to be there. It could be seven days. It could be seven weeks. It could be seven months. He's like, when we return after any of those periods, will your business still be profitable? And let alone be profitable, will your business even have the lights still on? Will wow. it exist? Wow. And I said, like, don't answer that. He goes, go home and answer that question while you're laying in bed staring at the ceiling. If, in fact, you can answer that question, yes, without any hesitation, he said, then you have potentially have a business that is scalable because you've systemized it. Because if you have to be there, you are the business, you're also the chokehold on the business. And Tony Robbins talked a lot about that business mastery as well. That's one of the things he talks about. That's really interesting a point. Uh, and I talk so, a lot to it now. So I was gonna I was gonna leave this to the end because normally I ask the questions from Facebook, but I, I just figured that it fits in so well right now. We've got a question from Dave Pincus, and he asked this question. I think it's it's perfect for this for this point in time. He says, "Being a small business owner on the cusp of greater sales volume, I find that I'm so busy managing the day-to-day operations that I don't have time to focus on the business growth. I really can't afford a full-time manager without the increase in sales I would like to create. Do I take the hit and hire in hopes to achieve my goal, keeping a uh, keeping in mind that I will have even more limited finances to expand?" with the additional labor cost. What clues did you see that made you decide to bring on help in the beginning? Okay, that's a gr- first of all, that's a great question. And it's a mm-hmm. question that comes up all the time with almost every small business owner that's in that exact position. So I, if I can tell you the percentage that of, of business owners that are in that exact same position where yep. they are the business. In fact, when I was at the Business Mastery with Tony Robbins, the room, he had, we had it, there was uh, eight or 10,000 people in the room. I mean. The wow. majority of the room was that exact, exact business owner. They're small business owners trying to take the next step. And that next step, it's, it is, it's the, it's the expansion of your internal, your, your, your impersonal people. So let me, let me, let me detail that a little better for you. When you're taking the next step, that next leap, you have to be able to have people that can do your job. In fact, the funny thing you're going to find out as a small business owner is some of the people you may hire do some of those jobs that you were doing better than you because you're, you're per, think about your personality. I mean, unless you're just a complete total split personality and that, that could be the case also. Right. It's difficult to be the person that's the hammer, you know, that's got to work on all the finances and, and, and maybe beat up a vendor or, <laughs> or, or, or delegate some job. And, and then the person who's got to be the salesperson, the customer service person that answers the inquiries and answers the complaints that deal. Those are all different facets and different personality types and styles that are needed. So many small business owners, when they're getting started, uh, it's it's all about them. It's just, and you're the business, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. When, this, when, when the switch has to go on, the change that has to be made at some point, if you're gonna scale the business, if you're gonna grow, you have to be able to grow beyond you because you're limited by your own personal bandwidth. Right. And that's that's a good thing. Because what you start to do is you start to source really, really good people that can do some of the jobs you were doing probably better than you were doing. I understand there's an investment cost there, right? You got to spend some capital on that. And when a business is growing and struggling, they, you know, they say, oh, you know, how am I going to do that? 
And I always use, you know, I say, look at a, if you don't water a plant, right? If you don't get some fertilizer on it, that plant's going to die at some point. Right. You, you got to, you've got to make the investment in the plant. You got to make the investment in your business. You have to do it. It's, it's not, it's not a matter of if you do it, it it's a matter of when you do it. If you're going to grow the business, the business is going to grow and it's really going to become what you expect it and want it to become. At some point, you're going to have to find some really awesome people to surround yourself with. And that that can simply be one person or it could be three people or five people. It might just be one key person that handles sales. So you have to look at them as an investment, though. I wouldn't say it, it's it's an ex, only an expense or only a cost because it's not. Because the person that you hire has to have a return on investment. And if they don't, you hired wrong. Right. Or you didn't train them well. You didn't give them good tools. So in the in the case of what your your uh, your listeners is as uh, wrote in on Facebook, it the key is is to find a person that can add value to the bottom line. So if it's an, another salesperson or it's an operational person that's going to improve, you know, the same maybe your same store sales, uh, whatever it is. Uh, it's it, maybe it's a and there's an outsourced version of it. Sometimes you could subcontract, independent contract, uh, you know, mm. people that sales. There's lots of ways to skin the cat, but the bottom line is is you have to do it. And my you know my recommendation is always to to think about the bigger picture. Why did you get into this? And if it, and if it was just to run one place, and that's that's also fine. But you're going to live in there, and you see some restaurant owners that are like that. They yes. they you know some mom and pop places. They have a restaurant, and their life is the restaurant, and then their mm -hmm. kids' lives become the restaurant. I don't know, you know, for me, that's not personally what I would want for myself um, or my family, but um, some people really, really love it that much, and that's fine. Uh, some people do it because they think they have to do it. That's actually not true. You just have to start thinking a little bit differently. There's an inflection point in the business at some at some place. You, you've got to recognize it and then take an action, and, mm. and that action could very well be, yeah, absolutely, bringing on some talent, investing in that talent, and expecting, fully expecting to get a return on investment for the talent. You know, another question I think a lot of people ask as well is, is how do you deal with competition? And, you know, you, you're the perfect person to answer this because you went into one of the most competitive markets. I mean, you know, the, 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 the health, fitness, gym business is, is completely saturated with competition. How did you deal with the compet uh, competition? How did you manage to succeed in a market that's so saturated with competitors? No, I don't compete. I conquer. That's what I tell people. I don't yeah. I don't <laughs> so it's it's, it's, it's it's all your mindset, right? I mean, it, I just believe that and, and any business owner should think this way. If you can deliver a product uh, better than it's currently being delivered, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, as you say. I mean, it might be innovative in the sense that you, you've, you've added some real good innovation and value to the, to the consumer. But you need to be able to really, really do everything you do at such a high level because you expect it at a high level. Um, the, understanding what your customers want, in our case, what our members want is critical, taking that data, taking that information, and then using your intuition to understand how can I deliver this in an exceptional way that would make people want to use and do business, want to use my product or do business with us or come to my gym in the case of retro fitness. Right. And that's something that we do really, really well. And, and that's something that, by the way, Daniel, that's something that doesn't stay still, right? That's not a constant. That's a, a very interchangeable response, meaning that what I did yesterday or what I did 10 years ago or even in 1998 when I opened my first gym, 97, when we mm -hmm. launched it, is much different than what I'm doing today in 2017. Hmm. We've just launched Retro 2.0, for instance, in Retro Fitness. We launched it this year. Retro 2.0 is, is just an evolution. We still keep the hedgehog of the business, the mantra, more fitness, less money. 
But now we've gone vertical in what in our offerings. We're not just a, a low cost provider for uh, you know to walk on a treadmill, which is it's great if you're new into fitness and you just want to get started and you just you're getting introduced and you, you know, affordability is very very important. But we've also found through our time together with our members and a lot of research uh, that a lot of members want some additional services. They want the personal training. They want the team training, the group training. Hmm. Uh, we've added a technology uh, twist to it where we brought in. Um, a heart rate monitoring system that gamifies your fitness. So if you and I, we could be in different, literally in different countries mm -hmm. and we can actually compete with each other on a very level playing field platform because it takes your age, your gender, your current fitness level into play and, and it makes a heart rate adjustment. And then you, we compete for, for points. They're called MEPS and we compete for these MEPS. And you know we do competitions in our gym with these. We we give all kinds of fun giveaways. We you know we we have prizes. We have contests every so often. Um, lots of fun stuff we do with it. But you know we weren't doing that a couple. Of years. We weren't even doing that last year, let alone ten years ago with retro fitness. But what people enjoy is it's, it's camaraderie. It's it's added a, di a different sense of community. It's very social media based. You know a lot of the stuff can be planted on there on your Facebook or on your Instagram. Um, so it makes it more fun. You could share it. Uh, but also, when you walk into the gym, there's all these uh, big screens around the club now, and, and there's these tablets of what your, your heart rate zone is and where your training zone is. And you can see yourself as you go into different areas of the gym and you're training in different modalities. Let's say you and I are doing a, a team class and we're whacking away on the battle ropes. And <laughs> someone else might be sprinting on a treadmill, and then someone else might be just working out in the, in the freeway area or swinging kettlebells. <laughs> Right. But you look up on the screen and you can see what level their heart rate is and how we're competing and who's getting the most points. And it makes it a little more fun. Oh, that's it, so it makes cool. It a little more enjoyable. Wow. Now, you, you took this to another level because you were featured on the show Undercover Boss, uh, where you changed your name to Barry and dressed up like a complete loser <laughs> and went to work in, in your business undercover. And I actually just watched uh, the episode. And for those listening, you've got to watch this because it was literally incredible to see. I mean, the, the thing I loved, Eric, was you can really see how much you care about your business, like it's your baby. Because when, when one of your staff members was like just really giving attitude to one of your members, you, you were like, you were going to lose it. Like you were going blow to the, blow the cover because you just couldn't stand it. Like it hurt you. It was like someone was attacking your baby with a knife. Sorry to be so graphic. But it was literally like you wanted to grab them away from it. And, you know, also the, the, uh, the, where the, another one of your staff members was, was trying to sell uh, to a, a, a potential member and she was just talking and talking and talking and she wasn't paying attention to what the member wanted or the potential client wanted and she wasn't listening to anything and you were kind of standing there going oh my god I'm gonna kill someone like you know you were like pulling your hair out because you, you wanted to just close the deal and the way to close the deal there was to just listen to what the person wanted and in the end you actually closed the deal which was awesome no, it, it, when you, it's funny when you talk about that show. I, I, it's, it's, it was such a great experience, and one of the reasons it, I think the show became so popular, our particular episode, is because of the authenticity of what went on in there. And you're right when you, when you talk about retro fitness. I tell everyone, you know, and, and my, especially my franchisees when I first meet them for the first time, you know, retro fitness is my fifth child. I've got four kids, and and, and retro fitness is not necessarily the fifth one. It's, right. it's you know, because it, it, it's up there in the chain of command, and we laugh about about that in our own family here. But 
I, I do treat it that way. And everyone who works with me and for me understands that. Uh, and I'm very passionate about it. I think you should be passionate about your business because it, it's such a big part of you. Think about where you spend most of your time and what you, what you think about, on, you know, good or bad. You, you spend a lot of your 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 time value and your, your brain power and your mm-hmm. and your energy in business when you're when you're a, 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 sole, a sole proprietor or you're a business owner uh, or an entrepreneur. That being said, you know, that episode really uh, shows some of my and it's hard to contain it because a lot of times you try to because, you know, because going in there, you're like, All right, I really don't want to bust cover because I don't want them to realize that I either am the owner of this business or I know what I'm doing. And so you got to kind of dumb it down and play dumb. But sometimes, it, you know, when you're that passionate about something mm-hmm. and you can see it and I, and I didn't realize it was happening until I watched the episode myself. Yeah. And I'm looking at my face. Oh, my God, I'm out of my mind. You can just see it because I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I so much. You know, when Megan was doing that tour, uh, I really wanted her to listen more as opposed to talk more. I know she was excited about giving the tour and talking mm-hmm. about retrofitness, but you know, when you're when you're learning about a new member's experience, you want to understand where they come from. You got to do a lot more questioning and listening, you know, as opposed to talking. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the other young lady you spoke about um, that 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 scene. If anyone hasn't seen the show, I don't want to ruin it, so I'll let that play out for itself when they yeah. watch it. <laughs> I will say, much. I will say, I will say something else as well. What what really stood out for me was at the, the very end when you revealed yourself to, to the three individuals, right? This was just awesome. Um, I saw two sides to you in quick succession. The f- first, first off, you, you sat with the staff member who had an attitude problem, the one that took selfies of herself and called your members idiots and, and stupid, whatever it was. And you had this firm and authoritative like no nonsense look on your face you were you meant business you were serious and there was she wasn't even allowed to answer you didn't even give her a word because you you were done and you brought in the 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 franchise owner and basically she got fired on the spot okay but then you get the other two girls um the scene with the other two girls where you know those girls worked hard they really cared about your company and you suddenly just switch like you just gave them love and you helped them personally in fact you even gave them money a substantial amount of money to like you know as a gift to to help them in their personal life and i just found that absolutely incredible that you can have both personas because most people are either too nice and they get trodden over and they can't build a business because they just get taken advantage of, or they're too strict and they're too demanding and they don't care about the person. You have both. Like, how do you have such a perfect balance? And then you, you hit the nail on the head, and that show does depict it well, so you picked it up the right way. I think in business, the most successful business operators and owners understand that balance, and, and they get it. And you learn it over time sometimes, and sometimes it's just it's innate. But the bottom line is you have to be able to be both. You have to be able, and there, there, gosh, there's probably more articles written on, uh, should you treat your employees like friends and family? I mean, there's so many I've read, I, and I, I, I shake my head. Sometimes I just shake my head when I read these articles. I'm like, oh my God, have you ever even owned a business that you're talking about this stuff? It blows my mind when the, when some of these editors write about this stuff and who you know and the answers and the responses they get. The bottom line is, is it's business. And in business, you have to do what's best for the business. I'll give you how I, uh, an example of how I explain it to all of my franchisees of retro fitness and people that I work with in small business. Mm-hmm. You have to treat the business like it's a human being. Literally, you have to, um, and you can't just, you cannot imagine giving it its own identity, its own. And, I, and this is goes from the from uh, from at every level, Daniel. I'm talking about 
this person, this business person has its own bank account. This business person has its own savings account. You wow. have to treat it like that because you you can't, you wouldn't rape, rob, and pillage your <laughs> friend's bank account like you would your businesses, right? You wouldn't treat it bad. You wouldn't do that because it would not be allowable. Hmm. Um, have to treat the business like it ha- has its own personality, like its own persona. And if you start to view it that way, you start to change how you would behave when with things that react within the business um, and people. So if someone treats your 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 person, your business, your family, your 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 alter ego poorly, it upsets you, and it should upset you. I listen. The reason why our show was so popular on on CBS Undercover Boss was you what we just did we were the first ever company that had the balls to fire someone on national tv wow and i gotta tell you uh you know my franchisee made the right decision there we didn't we didn't uh you know because it's not an our employee right because we're the franchisor mm-hmm. you know we didn't tell you know right hey, our franchise you have to do no we, we laid out the facts understanding how passionate that they are about their business because they share passion like we do about uh, the brand it's yep. unacceptable so acceptable at any level for any reason. There's just no reason. Like I don't care what it is. There's like, oh, we're gonna put you through a, a rehab course and we're gonna get <laughs> no, not in business. Get the frig out of here. This is business. Get out. Go away. You wanna be an asshole, go somewhere else to be an asshole. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be cursing. <laughs> it's okay. So but you can't you, you want that's your that's your behavior. Just go do it somewhere else. That's fine. Listen, that to each his own. If that's how you want to behave, hey, if you want to just show up late for work, hey, if that's you. God bless. That's you, but not in my business, not in my 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 alter ego, not in my family. And if you treat it really well, I care about you. I love. Listen, when when you're part of our family, right? When your family treats each other really well, you want to share with your family. You want your family to feel good about yourself. You want your friends, you know, the people you're you're, you're sharing with, to share and and all the the experience with you and and any positive vibe you can you can send their way. So. You know, I know when people are, are caring and passionate about business, and, I, and it, it's meaningful. I also know when they're not, and it's very bothersome. Hmm. And I think I think you said this in your book. Um, you said the following. You said, as an entrepreneur, I think one of the biggest things most guys or gals will fight with is their ability to let go. What do, what do you mean by that? What, what do you mean? Let go of what? Control. To let go of the controls, because... Like, like the uh, the inquiry you had on Facebook, part of the reason why some owners, they say it's a money thing, and oh, I don't want to hire someone, a lot a lot of that is bull crap. The real mm-hmm. reason is they don't want to let go of the controls. They don't want to take their hands off the wheels um, for a couple of reasons. The primary reason is, it's listen, most, I got to tell you, most entrepreneurs are, are type A. They're alphas, right? I mean, and they want control of everything. The problem yep. with that is, is, is sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Right. So you have to release some of that control to others. You have to trust your baby to the nanny, you know, for a minute. You know, you have to. You got to because otherwise you're going to have no quality of life and you're going to wind up despising your baby. You know what I mean? You can't you I like do that. that. It's a vicious, vicious cycle if you get involved in it. Wow. No, great advice. What inspired you to write the book, Just Make Money? Because, I mean, you know, you're a successful businessman. Why write the book? What's what was the what was the vision behind that? I think just my money was the tip of the iceberg. It would, I think that was would be the first of a series of of, of things that I'll put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's books or or, or more, just you know, in, in another in another platform. But it, it, it's a thirty thousand view. Uh, it's a thirty thousand foot view, Daniel, of of business. It's it's the nitty gritty 
but way up high. And that's how I like to explain it. When you get into business, I wrote the book for a new entrepreneur. The struggle, because I, listen, every day I deal with the new entrepreneur. People that come in the new small business, or that's what franchisees do. They buy into franchises because they want the assistance. They want the coaching. They want, hey, all the pitfalls you've fallen into that are 5,000 or 10,000 or who knows how many thousands of dollars that mistakes that you've made. Mm-hmm. You've made those mistakes. Tell me about them. It's not just all the positive things we do. It's the negative things we did and fixed that are also really valuable when you when you deal with knowledgeable people in business. So I wrote that book as kind of a coaching tool at a high level of just the basics. It's not it's not even like this. I could from that book we could have done a whole book about how to evaluate real estate for your business, how to how to how to market for your business, how to hire for your business. I mean, there, there's multiple things that that book could have either been 700 pages or <laughs> six different books. But that right. was the scrape it thought. Like if you get the stuff wrong that's in that book, it is so basic. That's why the images in the book I use are like cartoony. Because <laughs> I want it to feel very, very basic. It's a very basic business book. But if you can't get the tenants in this book right, you're screwed. Like you need to sell now, get out now, or stop investing because you, you don't have what it takes. Wow. Not everybody does. Not everybody has what it takes. It's just that's just that's just the real the reality of the real deal. So that book is on Amazon, right? So people can grab it on Amazon right now? Yeah. The Barnes & Noble's books a million on Amazon. It's, it's there. They can grab that. Uh, I, I think we, we did an e-version of it also, so they can get on their e-readers. Cool. So I'm going to link that up in the show notes as well as also the episode of um, Undercover Boss for those of you that want to watch it. I'll put the link in there. Um, and also just various bits of information about retro fitness as well if you want to buy a franchise. Are there franchises? How do you say it? Franchises? Yeah, I think it's franchises. Franchises for sale currently? Yeah, it depends on, on, on what area of the United States that you're, you're looking mm-hmm. right now. International. Okay. We haven't done any international at this point. Yeah, we were speaking about that before the show, so uh, <laughs> let's see what yeah. happens. Maybe there'll be, for those of you listening, maybe there'll be a retro uh, fitness in, uh, in Israel one day. But uh, what, what about <laughs> if my listeners want to get in touch with you, Eric? What's the best way for them to, to contact you? All my social media is at Eric Casabiri. So on Twitter, it's at Eric Casabiri. On Instagram, it's at Eric Casabiri. It's E-R-I-C-C-A-S-A-B-U-R-I. It's just the full spelling of my name, first and last. And on Facebook, it's at Eric Casabiri as well. Cool. Eric, this has been absolutely incredible. I've taken a heck of a lot out of this conversation. I hope my listeners have too. Eric, thanks so much for letting me pick your brain. Thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.